Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 5, verses 30 through 42. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you killed, hanging him on a tree. God exalted him with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, to give repentance to Israel and remission of sins. We are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. But they, when they heard this, were cut to the heart and were determined to kill them. But one stood up in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, honored by all the people, and commanded to put the apostles out for a little while. He said to them, You men of Israel, be careful concerning these men, what you are about to do. For before these days Theodos rose up, making himself out to be somebody to whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the enrollment and drew away some people after him. He also perished, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered abroad. Now I tell you, withdraw from these men and leave them alone. For if this counsel or this work is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it, and you would be found even to be fighting against God. They agreed with him, summoning the apostles. They beat them and commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. They therefore departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for Jesus' name. Every day, in the temple and at home, they never stopped teaching and preaching Jesus the Christ. All right, so after reminding the council that they must obey God rather than men, Peter continues, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you killed, hanging him on a tree. God exalted him with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, to give repentance to Israel and remission of sins. We are his witnesses of those things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him, Time and time again here in Acts, we're given a template for sharing the good news of Jesus. Peter once again addresses the audience's sin problem, here specifically the guilt of them having literally killed Jesus. Peter references the death and resurrection of Christ and speaks of our responsibility to respond. Jesus died and was raised so we can repent by turning to him in faith for the forgiveness of sins. You see, the good news of Jesus centers around the fact that Jesus carried our sins in his body on the cross, suffering the death penalty we actually deserved. After being in the grave for three days, he defeated death through his resurrection and now offers forgiveness and salvation to anyone who believes in him. Your sin debt before God has been paid in full by Jesus' death. The work for our salvation has been completed. It's finished. If you receive Jesus by faith, 
accepting what he did for you on the cross, you are granted forgiveness of sins and the guarantee of eternal life. So how did the council respond to Peter's message? Verse 33. But they, when they heard this, were cut to the heart and were determined to kill them. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached to the crowd on Pentecost, they too were cut to the heart. They too were convicted. But notice the differences in response. In Acts chapter 2, when the crowd heard Peter's message and were cut to the heart, they asked, Brothers, what should we do? They responded in humility and submissiveness to the message. They responded in repentance, ready and willing to obey God's ensuing command. But here in Acts chapter 5, after Peter declares the gospel message, these Jewish authorities, also cut to the heart, respond with determination to kill the messengers. Their conviction doesn't lead them to repentance. Rather, they decide to harden their hearts against the convicting invitation, responding in rebellion and opposition to Christ. Whenever we're confronted with convicting truth, we too have the same options. We can either humble ourselves like a child would before a parent, receiving the message with humility and obedience, or we can reject the message and hate the messenger. I have certainly been on both ends of this and can definitely say, it's better to eat the humble pie and repent than to resist the Holy Spirit in anger and pride. Moving on. But one stood up in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, honored by all the people and commanded to put the apostles out for a little while. He said to them, you men of Israel, be careful concerning these men, what you're about to do. For before these days, Theodos rose up, making himself out to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves. He was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the enrollment and drew away some people after him. He also perished, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered abroad. Now I tell you, withdraw from these men and leave them alone. For if this counsel or this work is of men, it'll be overthrown. But if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow it, and you would be found to even be fighting against God. So Gamaliel's logic is basically, let's hold off on outright opposing these men. Look at all the other crazy movements that have sprung up in recent years. They all faded away on their own. Let's wait this out and see. Odds are it'll come to nothing like the others without our intervention. But just in case it is actually the move of God, we don't want to be found fighting against it. And if it's the move of God, we won't be able to stop it. All right, so God allowed this man's logic to sway the Jewish leaders at this time <laughs> to take their foot off the persecution gas and just let things play out. Through Gamaliel's intervention, the apostles were spared and the movement could continue. But does this necessarily mean that Gamaliel's rationale here is a timeless truth to be modeled in all circumstances? Nah, I don't think so. I think Luke was simply recording what was said by him, not prescribing some timeless truth principle we should apply in all situations. For example, 
just because a movement is successful and doesn't eventually phase out and fail doesn't necessarily mean it's of God rather than men. I think some of the most successful quote-unquote religious movements of our day and age aren't always indicative that God's hand is in it. The Apostle Paul warns in 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth, and wander off in the myths. People love to follow leaders who tell them what they want to hear. Leaders who won't challenge them about their sins, or even enable and promote the sinful lifestyles they so love. Some of the most successful and religious movements of our day spit in the face of the truth while they dabble in myths and exalt idols. Sometimes the most godly movements don't grow the fastest because the world hates them. So growth isn't always the perfect measure for success in God's eyes. We should rather ask, are we being faithful to what God has called us to do? Remaining uncompromised in our stance with Christ and against the world is worth infinitely more than the extra growth or momentum that may come for any religious movement at the cost of those things. Was Gamaliel kind of like a fence-sitter here? What more evidence did he or any of the other people need to believe the movement was of God? There were numerous eyewitness accounts to Jesus' resurrection, not to mention what miraculously took place in the day of Pentecost, or the miracles and signs that were being done regularly at the hands of the apostles. Angels were releasing these apostles from prison, for goodness sake. And the most powerful witness of all being the proclamation of God's word by these men in the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet I have to remember not to be too harsh here with Gamaliel, or with any of the Pharisees for that matter. I mean, that was me years ago before I received Christ. Gamaliel wasn't directly opposed to the Christian movement, but neither had he joined it up to that point. He was kind of caught in between two worlds. Raised to be a strict Pharisee, but surrounded and influenced by what God was working through the early Christian church. Maybe he was beginning to warm up to it, but not quite ready to take a full stand. I know for me, it took a while for God to soften my heart towards the truth. I used to strongly oppose the Christian message and even thought that the gospel of grace was from the devil. I was religious, but I didn't know the one and the true Jesus of the Bible. But then, as I began questioning my religious upbringing and wondering whether biblical Christianity might actually be true, I found myself caught between two worlds. There was a time when I was fascinated with and drawn to the Jesus of the Bible, but not to the point of abandoning everything for him. I wasn't ready to take an outright stand. I wasn't ready to forsake my former religion. I still had doubts and questions. I wasn't ready to embrace the cost. But then Jesus got a hold of me and showed me how the love he offers trumps everything else. He's definitely worth it. The Apostle Paul said, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Hopefully Gamaliel ended up coming to know Jesus. All right, so he had reasoned here with the other Jewish authorities about letting the disciples be, and they concurred, although not without a beating first. 
starting in verse 40. They agreed with him, summoning the apostles. They beat them and commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They therefore departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for Jesus' name. Great reminder here that we don't have to mope when we suffer for righteousness' sake. In fact, it should be a cause for celebration, as counterintuitive as it may seem. James said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And Jesus said in Matthew 5.11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Eternal perspective is golden. Things may really stink now, but there's a better day coming. Paul encourages in 2 Corinthians 4.17, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Whatever you're facing today, because of your Christian faith, it's going to be worth it. Endure it with joy. Believe it or not, God wants us to experience joy and peace, even in the midst of the whirlwind. Verse 42. Every day, in the temple and at home, they never stopped teaching and preaching Jesus, the Christ. What a model there. Has Christianity become a one-day-of-the-week thing for us? Are we just going through the motions on Sunday? Or is Christianity our way of life on a day-to-day -day basis? Is Jesus our life? Gathering with other believers often, getting into God's Word, speaking openly in public and at home about Jesus the Christ. the gift of grace and also then believe in your heart God raised him from the dead and you will be saved because of your faith in Jesus the kingdom of heaven is like workers in a field. Some work longer, others join at the last hour, but receive the same wage. I say these things to you. 
your Lord and accept the gift of grace. And also then, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved because of your faith. justified we are justified by faith and with the mouth one confesses Jesus as Lord and is saved if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and accept the gift of grace and also then Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved because of your faith in Jesus. That was Believe and Confess from the Adams Road album, Great Commission. Behold, I'm standing here. Do you know I am at your door and I am knocking? And I am waiting for you. I see. Oh 
That was Knocking from the Adams Road album, Son of Man. This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Acts chapter 6. Grace and peace be with you all.